Well, hello, hello, and welcome to The Kitchen Table with Arctic Eric. Thank you for joining me here today at The Kitchen Table. And no matter where you are, what you're doing there, or what time it might be, I appreciate you taking these moments out of your day to spend with me here at The Kitchen Table. We're continuing on the theme of faith in Christ always. And this is part 11. If you haven't heard the other parts, I encourage you to do so. And if someone comes to mind as you're listening that you think would be blessed and benefit from these discussions at the kitchen table, please share it with them. Faith in God, trusting Jesus Christ, is possible. That's right. And God is in it. God is involved in helping us to believe. How does he do that? Well, we learn the answer to that in a letter that Paul the Apostle wrote to the Romans. In chapter 10, verse 17, he writes, So faith comes from hearing, from hearing what is told by the message concerning Christ. That's right. The ability to believe comes from hearing, and hearing from the Word of God, from scriptures, from the Bible, about the Lord Jesus Christ gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When that gospel message is heard, contained in it is the ability to believe it for those who will. Yes, our will has a part to play. Are you willing to admit you're a sinner and are you willing to be saved? But faith comes. And when we use that word faith or belief, we we can expand what that word means by saying to hang on to, to trust in, to rely on, to have faith in. And we know that in the Bible terms, it means faith in Jesus Christ, faith in God as revealed in Scripture. It's not faith in our faith or faith in someone else's faith. No, it's faith in God. Okay, we're moving on, as I said, into part 11, and I have categorized many scriptures that deal with faith and belief and believing on him. We looked uh, the last time we met here at the kitchen table on the righteousness of God that is through faith in Jesus Christ, and today I've got three verses for us, and we're looking at some warnings contained in scripture when it comes to not believing. Let's begin with well-known verses in John chapter 3, verse 14 through 18. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The one who believes in him, holds fast to him, trusts in him, relies upon him and him alone, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, again, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, 
but that the world through him, through faith in him, might be rescued, might be saved, might be delivered. He who believes in him, the Son of God, is not condemned. He who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's look at the last part of this verse 18. I think the idea expressed here is that one who chooses to disbelieve Jesus has already been judged and received the sentence of condemnation. So here we can see that Jesus has divided humanity into two groups when he came or when he was sent into the world. Those who are being saved and those who have been condemned. This is John's way of confronting unbelievers with the harsh reality that faced them. They will not only be condemned, they are already condemned. But he who believeth not is condemned already. This means there's no other remedy, no other way by which any human being can escape death. Or in other words, for all who reject the life given to them in Christ, there remains nothing but death, since life consists in nothing else other than faith. This past tense verb of is condemned already was used emphatically to express more strongly that all unbelievers are utterly ruined, especially those whose wickedness shall be displayed in an open contempt of the gospel. There is no other remedy for escaping death other than that one should take themselves to Christ through faith. As Christ here speaks of the preaching of the gospel, this gospel is to be spread throughout the whole world. And this discourse is particularly and deliberately toward those who maliciously extinguish the light which God has ignited. We go on in verse 19, And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world, and men loved darkness rather than light, for their works were evil. For whoever does what is evil hates the light and comes not to the light, because if he did, his works would be exposed. So he hides them that they not be discovered. He doesn't come to the light. But he who does truth comes to Christ, the light. The gospel is certainly good news, but there's a flip side to that coin. Those who hear and reject, they're condemned. But there's always hope as long as that decision is made here and now. Before we take our last breath, there is hope. And God is not willing that any should perish, but he does give the warning. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent, turn from your wicked ways, your sinfulness, your selfishness, and turn to God. The only hope is found from God and his son, Jesus Christ. And then one by faith, 
in Jesus Christ, faith in him alone, not works, but faith alone, that person is saved and delivered from darkness into light immediately. The kingdom comes. The king comes to dwell on the inside. Oh, we need to take the warning so seriously. In John 3.36, just a few verses later, Jesus says, He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. Has it right then. The moment you believe, you have it. Everlasting, eternal life, because the eternal one, Jesus Christ, the eternal word, Jesus Christ, the eternal spirit, the Holy Spirit, lives in you. He who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. In the second part of the verse, John is looking at salvation from the other side, the side of rejecting it. Those who reject the Son will not see that eternal life with God. Instead, God's wrath is upon them. It rests upon them. Now listen, this verse doesn't say that God is angry in, in respect to or in the light of their rejection of him. No, it means that the world of darkness and unbelief stands under the judgment of God. And those who refuse the light, who reject Jesus, remain in darkness and thus continue to live under divine judgment. But that divine judgment and that darkness can be expelled. It can be removed one way by embracing Jesus Christ, the light of the world who came to save sinners. Isn't that marvelous? John 16, 8, And when he, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, comes, he will convict the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Listen, it's not our job to convince saints they're saved or sinners they're lost. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, and he will communicate it through the scriptures, through the gospel, and through our testimonies of God's goodness. Well, that's it for today, part 11 here at the kitchen table. I am excited that the Holy Spirit lives in those who believe, and his desire is to help us, to comfort us, to instruct us, to lead us, to guide us into a deeper relationship with God's only Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, the Lord bless you today. The Lord keep you. Good day.